Hey, this is Denise Torres. Well, you know what? I've worked in the C-suite of uh, some large companies, different board roles, et cetera, but I am really passionate about leadership. So if you want to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then you have to listen to Leadership is Changing podcast with my good buddy, Dennis Giannotsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey, listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world, and I want to welcome you to today's episode. I have a wonderful guest with me. Her name is Denise Torres, and she is the board of director and former Fortune 50 executive turned entrepreneur. She is a gay Hispanic female and came from a challenging background and was able to grow her career to the C-suite of one of the largest corporations in the world. Denise, a massive welcome to you. Hey, thank you, Dennis. And it's great to be here with you. And I love what you're doing. Great. Thank you. Hey, I've got a few questions for you, and I've obviously given our listeners a brief introduction to you. Tell me more about your background. Yeah. So if I'm listening to this, the last thing I want to hear is someone to go through their whole freaking <laughs> resume, right? So yeah. let, let me just give you the, uh, hopefully the more interesting points, but I grew up in a steel town in Indiana in the U.S., and this was a huge, you know, um, U.S. steel, it was called. So it was it was like its own city. but I ended up working as a janitor in the steel mill, going through high school and pretty much a lower uh, middle class background. And so I was wildly motivated by fear. And so, you know, growing up being this janitor, I was a janitor in a hospital. So I, I had this experience of feeling definitely like an underdog, which really shaped me. And Going from there, I was, uh, if you ever saw the Forrest Gump movie, there's a famous scene where Forrest is running and he shakes off his, uh, his braces. And so I kind of felt like looking back like Forrest Gump because I, you know, went to college and went to law school because I thought, Hey, certainly I'll be able to take care of myself financially. And I hated it. I went back at my MBA, went into pharmaceutical business and healthcare for, you know, 15 years and then went to a different company, Johnson and Johnson for another 13 years. And so through this whole, you know, adventure, being a woman, being Hispanic and then coming out as gay and then having a baby, I, and I would say having a sixth grade sense of humor, I wasn't exactly the poster child for, you know, corporate America, but 
all of that ended up helping me be successful. Well, what a fascinating background and, and that you, you've just shared with, uh, with us. It's amazing. You know, going from janitor then into a C-suite kind of role. For what we see a lot of our in the world today, there is that glass ceiling that a lot of people talk about, especially for females and, and leadership and things like that. I mean, one of the questions I got is, how did you get into leadership? But then also, how did you transition into, into those more senior roles? Yeah, in the beginning, it was a lot about just sheer busting ass. You know, mm. I was the person that worked super hard. And, you know, oftentimes people would talk about, you know, sponsorship. And I didn't have a sponsor. And that happened when I was in my early 30s. And I met this wonderful leader at Lilly. He was 60. And I don't know, he saw something in me and he took me under his wing and, you know, he gave me a lot of different opportunities, which ultimately changed the trajectory of my career. And, you know, Dennis, he gave me this incredible gift. And yes, it was the promotions and all that, but he gave me the gift of self-confidence. And when I think about the power that leaders have to give others, to enable, to unleash their self-confidence, I just never, I will never forget him. And he, he really, he changed the tra- not only the trajectory of my career, but really he changed my life. Whoa. I, that, I mean, I've got goosebumps just listening to what you're sharing there because, you see, it comes down to not just what we say, but it's how we, how we treat people as leaders. And it's so impactful that it means for years later, listeners, that you can be still impacted by that one person. That one conversation, that one yes. word. And I think, that, as you said, the gift of self-confidence, that's that's just a beautiful way of saying it. However, what he actually did was he actually saw what you you had. You know, you had something something you could offer and helping you bring that out and actually helping other organizations. I think that is – Denise, I don't know. I'm going to ask the question here. Is, I think that's what our roles as leaders is, is to, to, to bring the best out of other people. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yes. And I, I truly believe that, you know, having come from a background where as a janitor and not being in the in crowd, I didn't feel seen. And Mm. when I, you know, you don't forget those feelings. And so as I moved into leadership positions, a lot of hard work, but also individuals that truly helped me and opened doors along the way, I had some tenets that I really believed in. And that is that Leading others is such a privilege. And it's a privilege because sure, it impacts the business, but it also gives meaning to our life. And, you know, when, when you look back, they would say you won't re- necessarily remember those business results, but you'll remember people and those people that still keep in touch with you, the people that tell you stories about maybe how you've helped them. And so I learned about leadership that we have the ability to help others be seen. And when they're seen, they can flourish. We have the ability to impact their self-confidence. We have the ability to help them dream. And also when we do this, it's a ripple effect. It impacts their families. It impacts all kinds of things. And today where engagement is just, it's always been critically important. But today with so much incredible change, happening in the world, the leader's ability to embrace or to really grab people's, not their minds, but their hearts, to me is so important and so fundamental. And it requires us 
to let go of our own bullshit and our mm. own ego. Oh, absolutely. Listeners, if you didn't hear it, embrace and actually grabbing people's hearts and helping them let go of your ego, let go of the bullshit, just get on with it. It is beautiful stuff that Denise is sharing here with us. Um, That's awesome. And so the question I've got here is, this person could be alive or from history. Now, you may have many. Uh, I always like to ask, who's your favorite leader and why? Mm -hmm. It was this, I'm telling you, it was this guy, Alan Clark. And then I had another woman who, or a woman who really helped me and her name was Sherry McCoy. And she worked at Johnson & Johnson. And then she went on to be the CEO of Avon. She's now, she's Hmm. on a lot of boards, but she was another person that if you were to look at the two of us, you would say, so that's weird. Like, you know, what's that connection? Oh, she was always just impeccably dressed. You know, your listeners could see me. I'm in a T-shirt and whatever. And that's what I'm most comfortable in. Right. And my hair's, you know, <laughs> spiky and, you know, and, you know, I'm not going to have fancy shirt, shoes. on. I'm going to have some kind of cool shoes on, but not, you know, some designer shoes. They might be designer tennis shoes. But when I look at these two individuals, they not only... The things that they did for me was they created opportunities, but they gave me that insight and coaching and feedback too. You know, like I always say feedback's a gift and like who really believes that? But (laughs) I think they cared enough to give me advice and to tell me when maybe I was wobbly a little bit, uh, but also to let me know that they believed in me. And, you know, I wanted to please them. I really, I, you know, they took a chance on me and, you know, I had this and I still do on Thanksgiving day. If Alan Clark were here, I would write him, you know, a long text. And unfortunately he's passed, but you know, every Thanksgiving I write to Sherry McCoy and say to her, like, man, you changed my life. And when you changed my life at work, you changed my family's life because I got bigger opportunities and I made more money and got introduced to different people. And so I have immense gratitude for these individuals and others. I've been very fortunate that as I got older, I figured out how important it is to reach out and connect with others. And Mm. that was so hard for me in the beginning because I thought, what do I have in common with these people? You know, I don't have the same background. I don't, I felt awkward. And I would sit down and have those one-on-ones and, you know, the night before I'd be like, oh, shit, I have to go to dinner or I have to have lunch with this person and what the hell am I going to talk about? (laughs) And then when I realized, why not just do you, right? Mm -hmm. Why not just do you? Why not talk about what you're watching on TV or what you're doing to connect in a different way? But, you know, then that gave me a superpower and the superpower was honestly, just being a real person. And most people, when we're real, people trust us more. They find us more interesting. And so I kind of evolved from self-acceptance to uh, self-celebration. And in doing that, I really think I was uh, able to like unwrap the skills that I have. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Look, I I think it's great. And what you just said there is about if you change my life, you change my family's life. It's it has a bigger impact than just us. There's that ripple effect right down throughout the whole family. And, you know, as you said, they gave you feedback. They gave you that coaching, those insights. But really, at, at the end of it, they really had your best interests at their heart. I mean, that's that's what they were looking at doing, too, was to help you to do that. And I like what you said. You wanted to please them. In other words, once you start to show people that you care, 
then they're going to go the extra mile. And that's what's going to happen. As you said, being real and reaching out to others to connect. I think a lot of leaders in, in life today, they struggle to network. Or let's just move that word out of the way and just call it build a relationship. Just, as you said, be real. And so many people find that difficult. And it's because they're trying to be something else they're not. If they're trying to be, as you said, be real, be you, then people will trust you more. Yes. And, we, and you know, what happens is I mentor and coach a lot of people. They'll say, I don't want to play the game. In fact, mm. I used to say that. I don't want to play the game. And then I realized it's a game no matter where the hell you go. You're going to be at school. You're going to be at this, you know, the game of life. And if we look at it in a negative way, then it becomes very distasteful. I'm not going to have a conversation. I'm not going to engage. I'm not going to, when the boss asks, you know, who who has an idea, I'm not going to be the one because I'm going to feel like a suck up. Now, if we change our mindset around that and say, actually, if what impact is about is showing up, and if we don't consider that a game, but we consider that about being present in life, and we consider that connection is a necessity in life in general, otherwise we're going to be very lonely. When we start to turn that around, that is something, and, and also, but it does require a fundamental belief that we're interesting. And so many of us will say to ourselves, like, oh, I don't have anything to say, or I'm just, you know, I don't do anything. I don't go on a vacation. I don't, whatever. And I had an experience as a pharmaceutical sales representative and I realized, you know, I couldn't get in the door and hi, my name's, you know, Denise Torres and da da da. I had already been through law school. I'd done all this stuff and I'm like, why I'm getting treated, you know, you know, like the dirt on the floor. And then I thought, I have to make myself interesting and also to share with them. I find you interesting. So I start scanning around the office like, oh, you have kids or you have this or whatever. And during that time, I was doing different adventure vacation types of things. So I would bring pictures in like, oh, I did the coolest thing last week. I did this. And then I found out like connecting is about those two things. You know what? I'm going to assume that I'm interesting and not in a cocky way, but just, yeah, I'm interesting as a human being and you're interesting as a human being. And sometimes we'll assume that other person isn't interesting. But if we do and say, I'm going to learn something today, right? I'm going to learn something and enjoy it, enjoy it. But when it, when it was a struggle for me and I didn't enjoy it and almost became a self-fulfilling, you know, act. Yeah, very good. And so if I'm interesting and I see you're interesting as a human being, that's a great thing to do. And you're right, that's the connection, the game of life. I like that. And, and people do say that. And actually, as I'm coaching people, they say it to me as well. And I'm like, well, why don't you play your game or the way that you want to play the game and see what happens from there. And then sometimes you might need to just, just choose different kind of field or game or players and then take it from there, right? And see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And then and the other one is, I, I think what came up for me as you were saying things is that sometimes the words we use to ourselves and our mindset and what we say, we need to be a bit careful because what we're asking for, what we're saying, sometimes we track that. I remember having lunch with a friend of mine and he says to me, Dennis, you've got a story and you know, you've know you had that medical thing with a tumor and so forth. And I don't really actually have one. And, and I went, You've got so many other things. And he goes, no, nah, but I didn't have that big story like you've got. One week later, has a massive stroke, and now he's got a story. And I'm like, be careful what you're asking for. And it's not that he was asking for the stroke, but you know what I mean? It's just it comes down to the words that we use as well. And, yeah, I, I, I like it. Denise, the show is called Leadership is Changing. When I say that statement, that term, that title, what does that mean for you? Mm, I think that 
leadership is changing, but the fact is that employees are changing. We're changing, right? What we expect at work and what we, if we could take it back, it's even where we look at just different generations, what they want out of life. And so, you know, today, what do people want? They want purpose. Yeah, sure. We need to make money and all that kind of stuff, but we want purpose and we want challenge. We want flexibility. We want to know that what we're doing matters. We want to be seen. We want someone to believe in us. And if we take all of those and say, okay, well, an effective leader needs to be able to connect and needs to be able to fulfill those needs. And at the same time, understand, you know, what the business needs and the customers, et cetera, and pull it all together, then is leadership changing? I think I would submit a little bit. Yes, leadership is changing, but I think leadership needed to change. Mm. So if we go back historically and we ask people like, hey, how many like super motivational leaders or leaders that really got the best out of you and were able to get the best out of teams and achieve great things for customers? Most people are going to struggle. They're not going to have a long list of names. And that's a shame Mm. because that's not only a missed opportunity for companies, but it's a missed opportunity in life. And I, my dad who worked in the steel mill. I was in my 20s and he kind of had one of those forced retirements because the steel industry is kind of, you know, had really been downsized. And so I said to him like, hey, dad, you remember that last day that you were at the steel mill? And he goes, yeah. And he, my dad doesn't say he has a man a few words. And I, and I thought, I'm going to get a good lesson here. I said, do you remember walking out that, that big gate? He goes, yeah. And I said, do you remember what you said to yourself? And he goes, yeah. He said, I said to myself, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. And he said, what the hell was that all about? Like he summed <laughs> up the whole damn, you know, 30 years. And you know what? It scared the shit out of me. Mm. So I went in my room that day and I wrote down things that I wanted to say. When I look back, these are things that I wanted to say. And I'm so glad that I did that because it's starting with the end in mind. You know, what is it that you want to be able to say? And in essence, it's it's saying what's important, what's important to you. And when we think about work, it's like one day turns into a week, turns into a month, a year, turns into our life. Mm -hmm. And it's not just work. This is life. This is life. And so, you know, okay, well, you know, outside of work, I'm going to I'm going to find happiness. I'm going to find joy. And I started off my career thinking, you know, I started practicing law. I hated it. And I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to be doing something that that means more. So I did some nonprofit work. And then I'm like, oh, it's not it's not enough. It's not enough. And then I had this epiphany that this is what it is. Make a difference every single day. Right. Sure. You can do volunteering and do all this stuff, but don't wait for the one Saturday a year or the whatever where I made this big impact. You can make a difference every single day. Yep. And don't let a day go by without doing that. I think it's yeah. it's, it's, it's a great thing. <laughs> I would have loved to see you being there with you when your dad said that to you. I think it would have been really quite special. Oh, man. It was yeah. like soul sucking right there. Yeah. Leadership needed to change. Denise has just shared that with us listeners, and that is really, really cool. I like what you see there about starting with the end in mind. I find mm-hmm. that a lot of executives that I get to work with, they are doing 
day in and day out. But as you said, it becomes just like into another day and another day. And for a lot of them, I call it they're on autopilot. They're not actually doing every day with purpose or deliberate. And what would be your advice, one or two things to say to leaders, in addition to what you shared about making a difference every single day, what are one or two things you would say to leaders that they need to do to make sure they're not on autopilot, that they Mm -hmm. are doing things with purpose and and being deliberate? I think the first is to really embrace gratitude. Mm. And I had this experience, my daughter's now uh, 21 years old, but when she was born, I was 30 weeks pregnant and I was sitting next to someone in a meeting, you know, and all this discussion about COVID, this guy had a virus. And I said, hey, man, maybe you should should go home because he was coughing. And about 40 hours, two days later, I ended up getting sick. And then just a couple of days after that, we had this emergency C-section and no one thought my daughter, Sierra, was going to live. So we spent a long time in the hospital and this fear of not being able to be her mommy. And living with that life death thing and being so in over time, right? I knew, I remember one day just praying, oh, just let me keep this little girl. I just, I want to be your mommy and whatever it takes. And I knew that there would be a whatever. And we found out, you know, my wife and I, we've, we've been married for 24 years. And first we found out, oh, she's going to have a hearing impairment. And then, oh, yep, she's not going to be able to talk. And oh, she's not going to be able to walk. And oh, she has a brain injury. But through this whole thing, I honestly just felt such gratitude that I could put her to bed at night, that I could hold her, that, you know, that I could be her mommy. And that experience profoundly changed me. And it made me take inventory of what is it that was important. Because before she was born, I'm like, oh, my girl's going to go to Harvard. She's going to do this. All this stuff that I look now, I'm like, who gives a shit? But because what I want is for her to be healthy and to be happy. And she makes me laugh and we're still watching cartoons. But it made me think about what lens do we look through? Is it the lens of I don't have, we don't have, oh, this sucks or this, whatever. Or is it the lens of, look at that. I mean, you know, when Sierra does little things, I mean, we we celebrate it. And she's silly and she's funny. And so looking at things through a lens of, and I can't say, listen, am I perfect with this? No, but I would say that I have really, I'm a glass half full person. And to experience gratitude, gratitude, because sometimes like when we go, oh, work sucks or work this, you think of like, I, I would think, damn, look at everything I have. I could go to the grocery store and I don't have to carry a calculator. I could buy whatever I want. Or during COVID, every, you know, the three of us, we, in our, you know, in our new puppy, right, we have space in our house and there's so much that, that we have and we have love. And so I think that when I think about leadership, I think what can leaders do? What can anyone do? It really is. What is it that you're grateful for? And the second is humility. And, you know, when we start thinking that we're our title, my dad would say, you know, when you start believing your own bullshit, you're in trouble. And I always thought that was funny, but it's true because, you know, oh, I'm this, I'm a vice president, I'm a president, I'm a whatever, I'm a board member. You can go to the grocery store and tell someone, you know what they would say in their head? Who cares? Yeah. So we have to watch this tendency sometimes to maybe that we want to bolster ourselves up. And in reality, this turnstile that we're on is teeny tiny. And there's a million of these turnstiles going at the same time. 
when we think our turnstile is so important, that's when we got to pick our head up and say, is a whole world going with these turnstiles? If something's not going right in your company, guess what? There's another pond somewhere. There's, an, there's another, another thing. And so I think those are the two things that I would say. It's gratitude. It's humility. But at, I have to also say this, being goal-oriented as a leader, what is it that you want to achieve? Because if you're just wandering, you know, as a leader, just being nice is not going to be enough. No. Right? You got to be passionate and fuego on fire. I read this quote one time, and I have a lot of these fantastic four human torches because the quote is, success is not a matter of spontaneous combustion. You must set yourself on fire. And I read that and I'm like, I love that. One day I was running, I was training for this marathon and when I was in law school and I stopped for a second and I was not a natural runner. And there was a poem stuck in some rocks and it was like this theme and I opened it up and it was, the poem was eating fire and it says, eating fire is your ambition. And I looked at this and I'm like, oh, wow, like this is, you know, this is so cool. So the idea of fire, I can relate to of that feeling and we the, the high that you feel like, come on, mm-hmm. right? No matter what age you are, you don't mm-hmm. have to lose that. You don't have to lose that. I can say, you know what? You can experience that and create that really through acts of simplicity. Yep. And I think that energy, that passion that you bring is attractive because it'll bring other people with you. Yeah. But I mean, I would rather be led by a leader that's got energy and passion versus one that's what I call a knuckle dragger, whereby there's all doom and gloom and their shoulders are hunched over and their yeah. knuckles are dragging and on the ground. Never work. Yeah, and all that. <laughs> people don't want to be around people like no. that. They want to be around the energy, but you're right. Eat the fire. Go for it. It's That's really yeah. awesome. And the humility side of things, I love it, but bring be goal-orientated as well because yeah. yes. it's it's so important. The humility, I think, as you are saying before about the titles as well, I actually think people hide behind those titles or their whole identity is around that title, and that's not who they are. And isn't it ironic today that they hide behind those titles or that mask, as I call it, but today we wear masks because because of a pandemic and so forth. So it's really quite ironic. But um, It's, it's like really- sometimes in the car when people have road rage and you're like, listen, if you didn't have that car, you wouldn't act that way, mm. right? If if you were just standing here next to me, you wouldn't be acting out that way. And it is very, connection is so powerful. And I think if, like, if anything that people can take out of at least this, you know, my thoughts is that connection is a superpower. Man, it helps other people. And I'm telling you, it helps us with our careers in terms of options and what we want in our careers as leaders. And, you know, as, as people that, you know, are working, we want options. Mm. None of us want to be stuck. Right. Yeah. And that's when we start like, I'm dying inside. Right. Cause I'm like, oh, I got five more years. I got seven more years. Yeah. And boy, that's, you know, that's unfortunate because how many people would want that five years or seven years? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Denise, you said earlier on as well about being seen. People want to be be seen. Is that also true for them that they would want to be heard as well nowadays? Yes. Yes. Because isn't that, you know, if we think about human nature, all of us, we want to, if you take Maslow's hierarchy needs, and you remember on that bottom, that bottom was survival. And then it's only after you get, you know, survival and you get our basic needs met that it gets into, you know, uh, things like self-worth and then self-actualization. Like we're actually helping other people. When we keep people at that bottom rung, right, they're not going to have self-confidence, right? They're not even going to think about other people. 
And so we see that too. When we, if being seen is also about creating trust and trust helps us with belonging, helps us with engagement, that safety type of thing. And if, even if you don't feel that in your heart, it's almost like a, a mathematical equation. You know, we could look at a completely database in that we're spending all of our energy worrying about if we're okay, worrying about those basic, you know, what am I going to lose my job? What is that going to mean? Da, 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 right. And a lot of us have known those feelings in that track. Our employees will have no energy to put into the team or to put into innovation or to, you know, to put into this creativity and connection. And so even if we don't believe like that's the right thing to do, if you just want business results, you know, helping people be seen, to feel trusted, you know, to feel like they matter is going to produce better business results. And imagine if we actually believe that. Wow. Just imagine. Yeah, very good. Denise, you've covered a lot already, and, and I'm going to ask this question, and there may be some other things you might want to add to it. What makes a leader successful in today's fast-paced, ever-changing world? I, you know, the, some of the things that... We've talked about, you know, the uh, internal, but the people need to be students, like leaders need to be students because we need to understand our customers better. We need to understand people that are working for us and trends in global trends. So I think being an eternal student is so critically important and not to assume that we know. There's a lot that we do know. But I would say, you know, I have the, the chance I'm on five boards now and I have the chance to just learn, to continuously learn. And in a few years, you know, you see like, gosh, it used to be this way when I was doing this. Oh, it's kind of different now, right? Of, of what employees want and how their worlds are changing, particularly with COVID. So I think being an eternal student, I think the second thing is, you know what, know what you want and also be able to communicate what you expect from others. Just want to put a plug in for a YouTube video. I love this. I don't have any connection to this woman other than the fact that I think she's uh, brilliant. And her name is Frances Frey. It's either Frey or Fry. It's F-R-E-I. She's at Harvard and she did a TED talk on trust. And she talks about the trust triangle and that it's a, uh, it's about empathy. It's about the ability to communicate succinctly and it's about being authentic. Mm. So that communication piece, I love that she put that in there because you're like, well, how does that, you know, build trust? How many times have we talked to people and they're going on and on and on and you think, what are you talking about? Mm. Right. And then you think you don't know what you're talking about. You're just, you know, so as a leader, be able to communicate succinctly. I think the other piece is that this optimistic, I call it reality based optimism, because you know how some leaders are like, yeah, charge the hill, we could do it. And you know, damn well, we're not going to hit that number. Yeah. Right. But it's, I call it reality based optimism. All right, guys, here's the situation, you know, and, and enlist people in the, in the vision, in the possibility, and also be able to embrace the power of the underdog. Mm. You know, I'd rather take a situation where, okay, we're underdogs. You're right. You know what? This tough situation, you know, I've let a lot of turnarounds and, yeah, you're right. This is tough. And, you know, but okay, it's tough. We've all done our complaining. Now let's move on. So I think embrace the power of the underdog. And you know what another one is too? And I could go on, but I'm going to stop here. Have fun. 
Yeah. You know, like, oh, we're going to have fun, you know, at the end of this project. Hell no. Have fun during the day. Mm. Have fun. Don't take yourself so seriously. Dance on the table. Do, you know, whatever. If you're an unconventional person, do unconventional things as long as you're within the values of the company. Right. But be you. Mm. Be you. Within, and people, sometimes people say, you know what, I just want to be me. Go ahead. But you know what? You still have to do it in the context of an organization. If I'm yeah. going to present to a board, am I going to be uh, or a bunch of analytical people? Am I going to be my wildly expressive self? I'm going to tone it down, right? Mm. Because they're not going to listen to me, right? They're going to they're gonna be like, tell me the facts. Okay, I'm going to get those facts out. Am I going to change who I am? No, but we all have dials, right? We yeah. have dials. I'm going to tune this up whatever. And, you know, if I find that people are not responding to the essence of me, then I say, you know what? No gift for you. Because I think this thing that I'm bringing here is a damn gift. Yep. That's yep. what I tell myself. Right. Nice. And I think everyone, every, they're special sauce, man. It's a gift. And if people don't appreciate it, no gift for you. Nope. Fair enough. No sauce. No. And I think you're right. I mean, bring yourself to, to, to whatever it is, but adjust or adapt to that audience. And based on what's needed right there in the end, but you still need to be you. And as you said, yeah, and we, I like it. You've got the dials, you've got the levers. You can actually adjust it for sure. Yeah, don't Denise, waste energy, right? Well, well, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Denise, if I get you to get your crystal ball out here and start thinking about the future, where do you see leadership being in five years? Much more empathetic, much more transparent, much more vision-based and purpose-based, like genuinely, you know, purpose-based. And that's what I think that I think we're going to continue this track that we're on or this, this time period where people want to try and do different things. They might not stay at companies so long. And to me, that's okay. But I think the, the leaders, all those things that we talked about, it is there, we're going to find strength and vulnerability. Mm. And it's a huge thing, strength and vulnerability. It's huge. Um, it's not a weakness. It is an absolute strength. Yes, because we have to be confident to be vulnerable. Right. If you ever had someone, uh, and I, I would say vulnerability is the ultimate confidence, you know, is to be able to say, I don't know, or, you know what, I screwed that thing up. Yep. And, you know, yeah. And to be able to take the blame for things, right? right? There's a leader that, this is a wonderful leader, and he would say, You take the risk, I take the blame. And I thought, that's cool. Nice. You take the risk, I take the blame. Yeah. Nice. I think that's a wonderful environment for people to then to go out and actually excel or actually go out and do things that they need to do. And it's a wonderful environment to be able to do that for sure. Yes. Oh, cool. You take the risk. I take the blame. Paul Stoffels, he's the head of research and development at J&J. Awesome. And just a wonderful leader and you know, mm -hmm. just uh, tremendous. Good. Denise, thank you so much for joining us on today's show. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where, where should they go? I think you can come over. I live in New Hope, Pennsylvania. Let's have lunch. <laughs> That'd be awesome. You can find me on LinkedIn. It's Denise with a C. And you can go to the mentoring place. I have a nonprofit organization that provides free mentoring for women. And yeah, and I have a, a, a podcast, Flip the Tortilla, and it's lessons for the underdog at heart. A lot of fun. We talk about leadership and personal stories. So check us out anywhere you listen to your podcast, Flip the Tortilla. Denise, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure um, having you on the show today. Uh, super talking with you. It's been a lot of fun and good luck with the, you know, continuing on. It's 200 episodes now, right? Yep. Over that now. So that's really good. Love yeah. it. Cool. Thank you. 
Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Look out for the episodes as they've been released. Download them, have a listen, put a review, and a rating. Feel free to share them with your friends, your family, your network. If there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show, or if there's a question for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode that happens once a week, send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Listeners, it's always a pleasure being with you. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.